This is a definitely a new setup. When I was uh, talking to Erica this morning about where I should preach from, she's like, I know this sounds weird, but like preach to the pillar. And I was like, okay. But so if you see me pivot or walk around, that's just because I'm getting used to this new flow. Um, I also don't get to be up here all the time. Um, thankfully for me and for you, uh, we have Erica and Chris who usually hold it down up here, but every so often uh, I get to be up here and to share a few things with you. Um, and I am honored to do that this morning. Um, to start us off today, I am going to read our scripture, which comes from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is God, what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, like I said, I don't get a chance to be up here all that often. My name is Amy Green, and I serve on staff um, as a deacon. Um, that is a word that is a very churchy word, so let me unpack that a little bit. Um, I actually did get to uh, go to seminary, so I do have, I'm vetted, right? I did like learn some stuff. Chris and I went to seminary together at Duke, so we did all the same Bible studies and writing and reading. Um, but as a deacon, my call is actually to work outside the walls of the church, to connect the church to the community. Um, right now, I'm working on my master's of social work and because I needed some more student debt. Um, <laughs> I'm working, getting my clinical uh, master's of social work, and I work at Metropolitan Ministries with families who are facing homelessness, um, helping them find shelter and sustainability. And I tell you all this not just so you can get to know me, but... Uh, to tell you that what we do here at Horizon is at the core of who I am. Um, as a pastor, as a social worker, as a mom, um, I am with you in doing this work of figuring out how we can connect what we do here on Sunday mornings with our lives throughout the week, of connecting what we read in scripture with our lives, of making it real. So when Chris and Erica told me about this series, Yimby, I got really excited because it is right up my alley. So let's break this down. YIMBY is a play on NIMBY, which you might have heard. It stands for Not In My Backyard. And this actually came about in the 1970s, um, specifically around the issue of housing. So in a lot of big cities, they were trying to figure out how to build um, more housing. And a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, opposition grew in many places. Um, and this was really from a desire to keep population down in the city and property values up. We don't know anything about that in Tampa, do we? That's, that's nothing, no. You realtors in the room are like, oh my gosh, Amy. Um, but this, you know, this unfortunately was also a way to perpetuate and continue housing segregation. The developments that many did not want in their backyards were housing complexes that would have brought poor and minority families into more affluent areas in hopes of giving them access to better schools and jobs and opportunities. So that's where not in my backyard came from. And if we think about it, NIMBY can really be expanded to think about a lot of other things besides housing. There are lots of things that we do sometimes to shield ourselves from things that make us uncomfortable. The unknown or the risk it might bring to our own ideas of safety. I would argue that when we say NIMBY, not in my backyard, we do that out of fear. And so if we're talking about what the opposite of NIMBY is, YIMBY, yes in my backyard, I would say that YIMBY is about faith. It's about something larger than our, ourselves. 
Now, you also might be thinking, where does wisdom play into this, right? If we just say yes to everything, where does that leave us? And so that's what I hope to do today and throughout this whole series, what Chris and Erica will also do. What is the yes in my backyard that we're being called to as a church? How do we figure out what God is calling each of us to say yes to? So the first question I want us to look at today is simply why. Why does God say yes? It would be a lot easier sometimes to just follow a God who just took care of it all, right? Who just told us exactly what God says yes to and God says no to. But that's not how God works. The scripture in this morning's text speaks of God's will. And we know when you read scripture that God's first will that we know of in the Bible is creating the world. God speaks life and light into existence. God says yes to the world and calls it good. And any of the no's that come after that are only there to promote that yes. We're not to lie to each other or lie to God. We're supposed to say yes to the truth and to honesty and vulnerability. We are not to attack each other because God says yes to safety and wholeness and peace. Ultimately, God's first yes is, a, is to build a relationship with God's people. And then in the scripture we read this morning, when he writes in his letter to the Romans, Paul says that the best way that people can follow God, the most true and faithful way to worship God, is to offer their bodies as living sacrifices. Which in all honesty sounds a little terrifying, right? Sacrificial worship, giving everything of yourself, your very body. But what Paul is getting at is that there's no following God without putting your body into motion. Without literally putting what you think in your brain and what you believe in your heart to be true about God and others into real concrete action. And then we get to the next one, and that's who does God say yes to? If we know why God says yes, and that's to build God's kingdom and because of relationship, who are the people that God says yes to? Earlier in um, the book of Romans, Paul talks about um, not being conformed to the pattern of the world. And in his world, that meant dividing people up by category. Free or slave, Jews or Gentile, Romans, Greeks, all different types of people categories. And your obligation to other people depended on their station and on yours. I would love to say that our world is really different, but it doesn't feel very different, right? We still have a lot of that going on. What is the pattern of our world where some have very little and some far too much? Or where sexual orientation or gender identity marks some people as fair game to be marginalized, stigmatized, or even killed? My husband, Travis, works in a hospice organization, um, and they care for people at the end of their life. We both went into super light careers, you can tell. Our kids will like not need any therapy or you know, trauma processing at all. Um, but there's a story that goes around uh, about the founder of hospice, that at the height of the AIDS crisis, they started to receive HIV-positive people, patients who are dying of AIDS. And there was concern and fear among the staff about transmission, about uh, keeping themselves safe. Understandably, there was a time that not much was known about the virus. And they held a meeting to address these concerns. 
and people were raising all kinds of very understandable worries if they should care for these patients and how. And the founder of this hospice said, we're gonna address legitimate healthcare concerns, but the basic question is, if not us, who? If not us, who? And the room got just as quiet as it is in here today, guys. Because friends, if not us, who? If God isn't saying yes to us, a group of ordinary people that gather each week to sing and to pray, to speak and to listen, to eat and to drink of this meal, here, friends, very ordinary people, we get to do holy stuff together. We are poured into and sent out into the world by the grace of God. We become the very body of Christ, the hands and feet of God. And what's incredible about this is that God uses us, these ordinary people, to do holy work. But what that also means is that we don't get to decide who God uses. There has been, we don't get to say no to what or to who God has said yes to. There's been a lot of talk in the church recently and probably in the world, as you've heard, of what it means to be good and holy. About who is holy and who is not, as if there's a circle that's drawn and some people are in and some people are out. But what we can learn when we read Paul's words in scripture this morning is that God's goodness and holiness is embedded in each of us because we are all made in the image of God. And the beautiful thing is we don't get to take that away from other people. We can't take that away. I could no sooner take away your holiness or your God-created goodness than I could take away the shape of your face or your sense of humor or your talents, your kindness or your uh, musical talents. That's great. I can't take that away and nobody can take that away from you. In this community that we call church, we tell the stories of Jesus because that's where the holy stuff is. Not in a list of rules or laws created by man, but the holy stuff of life happens when a son is welcomed home, when a neighbor is honored and cared for, when a whore is loved, when a leper is touched and cleansed, when a crowd is fed, when a guilty man is forgiven, where a crippled woman stands up and dances. The holiness of God, friends, is dazzling and it is on display and it lies not in our power or our wealth or ability or attractiveness or achievement, but the goodness of God is on full display when we get to come close enough to another person and see their humanity and not turn away. That's what we get to do in this place on Sunday, what we get to take out into the streets of Tampa, into our neighborhoods, into our backyards. That appreciation of what God is doing, of the holy work that resides within each of us and when we gather together. And so that brings us to the question of what does God say yes to? What are the type of things that God is calling us as a gathered community of believers to? Erica talked a lot about the kingdom of God in our last series. And so I would say that the kingdom of God is simply where all of this is true. Where everyone can hear yes, you are welcome. And not just you were tolerated, but we created this with you in mind. With your specific gifts, with your specific identity of who God has created you to be, we have made a space for you here. And that we say to one another, yes, I will share. Yes, there is room at the table. Where any know that those people, anybody has heard throughout their lives, that has said to those who 
would harm others is taken away, and a yes is said instead. Offering ourselves as living sacrifices, as Paul tells us, that means saying yes to partnering with God in the hard and holy work of loving our neighbors well, of giving our time and our money in service of others, of forgiving those who have hurt us and saying yes in my backyard, yes, hear God, do your work. Not only that, but we're not going to get in your way. In fact, we're going to make a way. We're going to clear out anything that might keep us from doing the work that we're called to so that as many people as possible can experience the love and the mercy and the grace and the welcome and belonging of what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. About four years ago in the um, kind of church world, I guess, arena, there was a, um, a really beloved young woman named Rachel Held Evans. And unfortunately, she got really sick um, and passed away about four years ago. She was one of my favorite writers and theologians. If you ever have uh, a chance to read any of her books or listen to her speak, she's just incredible. Um, but she talks about what God's kingdom looks like to her, and I wanted to read that for us today. She said, this is what God's kingdom looks like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry and they said yes. That is all that God requires of us, friends, that you are hungry and that you say yes. And she goes on to say, and there's always room for more. Yes, God. Here, God, in our backyards, in the opening that we get to sit in and rights every week, in our living rooms and in our driveways and in our office offices and bowling alleys still under construction, may it be so. Yes, in our backyard. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we are grateful for the opportunity to know and be loved by a God who has said yes to us first, who has come into our lives and said that we are good, that we are holy, God, that we are worthy. We pray today as we get to partake in a meal together, a meal that is marked by love and acceptance, God, that we would stir in us the ways that you are calling each of us to say yes, that you are calling each of us to put our bodies into motion for the kingdom of God. We love you, God, and we pray all of these things in your son's holy name. Amen. <laughs>